Good afternoon, everyone. You're welcome once again to Sports Sense all here on Scarif Bay Community Radio in association with Derek Credit Union on 88.3 and 92.7 FM. And on today's show, as always, joined by co presenter uh, Pat McNamara. And our guests on today's show are well known uh, referee from East Clare, uh, Jar Hoy, who's going to talk about the upcoming course uh, for recruiting new referees and refereeing in general. And then after that, we'll be joined by well known journalist Owen Brennan as we discussed the activities of the county teams in Camogie, football and hurling in the league the league to date. And also, I want to thank everybody for their support at the quiz night last night in, in McNamara's Bear. It's very, very much appreciated. And now we're joined on the line by a former referee, inter-county referee, current uh, club referee, a man very good to us here on Scarafe Community Radio, also, maybe better known as Hopping the Ball. And we're going to hop in the ball here now with uh, Ger Hoy. Ger, you're welcome to Sportsline. Hi, Leo. Thanks very much. Ger, look, it is that time of the year again. And um, I know that the, the, the referees have, have courses coming up. And, of course, the call is always out to get referees. Without referees, we don't, we don't, we don't have a game. And I suppose we don't appreciate the job that they, that they do uh, for, for the game and for the GA. And... You're on the recruit for referees once again. Leo, yeah, listen, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to serve Pat Dale and James Howard to listen to us to, uh, I suppose, promote the uh, foundation course that we're running at the moment. Uh, our administrator, Shari McMahon, has put together the foundation course. Uh, I'm going to be delivering it. And uh, we are looking for uh, clubs who may be looking internally, see who might be available uh, for a foundation course. And what we are, the message is, uh, come have a look there's no commitment uh, expected if you feed it for you well then go this that's no problem so uh, we've had we have six or seven actually signed up for it Leo already uh, first night um, the course is kind of a blended course Leo in that the first night is done online on the GAA e-learning portal uh, lads can do that uh, this week or, or next week, and then we'll actually start in um, face-to-face kind of um, classroom presentation type uh, on Monday night in the Temple Gate at 8 o'clock, uh, where we'll be discussing the technical rules of holding a football. And then the next night is also a classroom type of scenario, and that's on Wednesday night of next week, the 8th, I think it is, uh, in the Temple Gate as well, and that we're looking at the aggressive fouls. And the final night is um, online where the lads can do a rules test. So it's kind of four nights with only two of them actually having to sit into a car and drive anywhere to, to attend it. So we are looking for lads uh, in clubs, Leo. Uh, you know yourself, uh, yourself and Pat. I suppose you see more referees in action than anyone in Ireland, really, as regards <laughs> your Camogie your and your Holland coverage, you know. So you, you can see the good, the bad, and the indifferent as to how things are done. We are trying to um, recruit more people. Um, Charlie McMahon, I think his quarter of referees in the GEA and Clare is about 40. He's hoping to get to 50 this year. And, and uh, there were over 2,000 games uh, covered in Clare between um, the Adult Board, the Keisha uh, Evans, and Keisha uh, Pill Minogue. So there were a lot of games, and as you know, we're always looking for referees. Yeah, a question before we talk about the course again. How many referees really? And of course, you'll never have enough. But how many would you want realistically uh, to comfortably, yeah. comfortably cover all the games, Joe? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah I think, I think um, based on what uh, Shardy was saying there, looking at his figures he's looked at over the last couple of years, he reckons you need uh, at least 50 um, uh, who will be active now. Some will be kind of doing maybe one, one, one game, maybe every fourth. More lads will be maybe doing two games every weekend. You know, So it depends on the availability of that. But 50 would be a kind of a baseline number that would be required, uh, Leo. And, sorry, Leo. Gerard, as currently... Is the uh, no reflection on your good self for Jim Hickey or the less, but is the age profile of the refs uh, a bit high at the moment in Clare or it was in all counties? And you know, yeah. obviously, obviously, you'd yeah. like to see a lot of younger lads in their 20s and 30s, you know, who were kind of, I suppose, uh, you know, maybe who, who younger players, even the, the the under 16s and 18s, might, might you know, kind of relate better to. I, I presume that's what you're yeah. looking at. Yeah, you're right, Pat. In, in every county, the actual age profile is, is, is high. You know, it's fellas in their 50s and 60s kind of a lot of the time. However, the focus, I think, this year, we're trying to see if we can get people in their late teens, early 20s to have a look. Because one of the advantages of getting in early is that you actually can develop a good career out of the uh, out of refereeing. And, um, for example, in Clare at the moment, we have Rory McGann and Niall Malone on the national holding panel. And we have uh, Joe Mullins on the Worcester panel, uh, they're the holding refs. And then we have Niall Quinn and um, Chris McGuire, they're on the football uh, side of it. And those guys, they, they, they'd have at least 10 years uh, under the belt before they kind of got on to uh, high-level inter-county uh, uh, games. So we are looking to see it as young fellows out there who might... Um, consider it and have a look and say there's a career because there is a huge amount of support for referees even though people might think it's a very individual lower experience but in fact within the refereeing community itself uh, as you're aware there's a huge team bond and yeah. uh, help each other out and there is a team ethos in it so yeah yeah right we are you know we, we are uh, high on the, on the age profile but we are trying to bring in more younger guys as well as and and Ger, you know, you know, with the the goal games and 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 the under eight and the under tens and these, you know, the goal games for young lads and majority of those are are, are rift, you know, just I suppose you lads, yeah, I suppose a rift for want of a better word that keeping taking charge, but it's all kind of younger people, you know, fifteen, sixteen, or maybe the ones that are doing it. Would it be that you know what I mean? Is these lads are probably the ones you'd need to be. You know, if they're showing an interest, but, if they're showing an interest, here, sorry, if they're showing an interest in doing it at that level, you know, maybe you know, if they're glad to do it, there might be potential a lot more there. You know, they just need a little, a little gentle nudge. Yeah, as Leo, the whole focus for the last maybe five, six, seven years has been to get the sixteen, seventeen-year-olds to take charge of those games. But exactly what you're saying, try and see will they maybe stay at it. But a lot of these kids are, you know, we were all there ourselves, you want to be playing games, either football or hurling, rather than being in the middle blowing the whistle. So I think we get them in, we, they do the go games, and they are quite good, and, and they're given the, the support. But, uh, you know, you, you it's like in the games themselves, you kind of do lose people as they kind of get a bit older, for whatever reason, whether they still just want to concentrate on their own game of holding a football, or they actually drift away altogether, maybe from G and go on to do something else. But that was the ethos, really, of uh, and the philosophy behind getting the younger kids, like the teenagers, to do the goal game. So, yeah, yeah. And Jerry, I see there a chat uh, various places and online as well about, you know, the, the old, I think there was an old, I won't say, guideline in Clare that each club should supply at least one ref or something, maybe two, but I'm not sure how many. And then I saw uh, someone saying that, you know, 
that should be enforced and insisted upon and that you know clubs should be sanctioned big time financially or whatever if they don't do it but can you can you coerce lads into it or can you coerce clubs into it do you, do you think that's the best way to go or is there any other way you can say to recruit uh, better than that maybe yeah yeah don't i don't agree that much at all Pat. Uh, obviously uh, you have to uh, broach the subject through the clubs themselves but I do know from our own experience and just looking at clubs, uh, if you look at a chairman of a club, he has so many things on his plate and the most important thing is to make sure that the adult <coughs> team, senior team in the club has a management team. And I'd say refereeing comes down about point Z on his radar. And, <laughs> and even if he even if he does, even if he does decide, God, I'd have to send somebody into uh, this foundation course, uh, he, might get, uh, he might get his brother or he might get his son or someone to go in. But they'll go into the course, but they may not necessarily stay. So our appeal really is to fellas uh, in, uh, through the clubs and through social media and through individual contacts as to see, you know, come and have it, come and have a look at it. Uh, you know, it might be somebody who had been playing and maybe picked up a bit of an injury and may not be able to partake fully in full contact sport. Or it might be somebody who uh, is kind of... Um, coming to the end of their career and might want to do something and most fellas was drifting into coaching or managing young, young teams and that in a club or maybe doing stats but we are also asking fellas maybe to think God, you know, why not give the old uh, referee in a bit of a, a hack and see if you can uh, hack it because one thing you'll do is when you're doing the referee's course you'll actually learn the rules which might be a first for a lot of people like you know so you know it, it's, it's there okay, but the question doesn't work it's a short term fix you get fillers to do a course, fill a, fill a room for a couple of nights, but I say, you know, the the uh, outcome is more not really interesting. And, and Jerry, if you had an ex-player or probably a current player who's just maybe injured, maybe, maybe some of the late 20s are thinking of taking it up, you know, obviously it's a tough job and we know it's getting tougher in recent years and, and that's undisputable. What is the biggest incentive you could offer somebody, uh, say, like to take about 27 or 8 years of age well, that might make a bit what's the biggest incentive you could offer that that young person that he can stand in the field beside Tony Kelly for a full hour and or, or, uh, or any of the inter-county guys because it gives you that or run around after that, him <laughs> yeah run around run around after yeah it gives you that um, uh, capacity to be able to be on a big stage with the big players even though you're not playing yourself and you're, you're part of the occasion part. so that's what we would say like it keeps you involved but it also gives you an opportunity to uh, witness the high performing players that are up close either you know under uh, high performing minor players under 20 players or senior players and it is uh, where you know the, the, the incentive would be it keeps you involved it keeps gives you a reason to stay fit it gives you uh, also self-satisfaction and it also challenges your own ability as a person and as a communicator with players. But I think that's the biggest thing we need to uh, you know, look at what people can contribute to the game themselves because there is a, there is a huge opportunity there for individuals uh, to stay involved at a high level. And I mean, at inter-county level, you're, you're, you're able to stay refereeing up uh, to, your, to the age of 50 at the moment, which I totally disagree with. But at club level, you can referee up to as long as you can stand on two legs, really. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, the commitment to stay in fit and stay in court and stay active, I think, is one of the biggest benefits of being involved in refereeing. You're selling it well, Ger. And 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 Ger, you know, you know, you you've made the point there about the, as and as my pet said about incentives, and I totally agree with. Um, rather than bringing people into a room, uh, into a crowded room, the first night, I'm, with technology, you now I'm glad to see that it's done online. 
where you may get somebody that wouldn't would would, would not go into uh, a room, say the, the the room with everybody, maybe out of uh, I don't know, not 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 embarrassed, but nervousness, maybe shall we say? Yeah. But it's a great yeah. way, and to get all those positive points across. You know, I I know the the one thing that a lot of players and look, we don't even know all the rules, and we're we're at it so long. You know, a, a people some people can get daunted by just going in, maybe feeling like a, a school school scenario, maybe, and that if you can get them in, get them part of the way. You know, it's about bringing them on a journey, Jerry. Really, isn't that it? Well, Leo, you said it so well. It's the start of a journey, really, and it's an introduction because um, we always make point within the refereeing group that. Unless you have the rule book in your kit bag, you want to go nowhere because you have to refer to it before every game for either some minor point. You know, if a, if a ball strikes the corner flag, is it, a, is it a line ball or is it right? You know, those simple things. And you just have to keep that on board. So the the, the whole focus of the foundation course of your do this year is an introduction. No commitment, no fear. And, and you know, fellas needn't be one bit put out by just coming in, sitting down, listening, partaking. It's interactive. The part of the course uh, content is just looking at video clips of games at county level and, uh, uh, you know, uh, teasing out was this a foul, was this a, was <coughs> a yellow card, a red card, that type of inter- interesting look at stuff as well, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, there should be nobody, uh, so nobody afraid just to turn up on the right, have a cup of coffee and the biscuit as well. You know? And, Ger, have you ever considered at committee level or your referee committee level, I know it might be a long shot, but you know, getting permission may- maybe to get referees like yourself to maybe visit secondary schools. There will always be a few guys and girls who mightn't, for one reason or another, be able to play the game or continue playing the game or whatever, but might have an interest in getting involved in another way uh, through refereeing. And they say, well, no matter what you're going to do, if you can get them young, do you think that there, that's anything you've ever looked at or might might be a possibility to, to approach it that way in it's the future? A, it's, it's well, it's an absolute possibility, especially in TYE. I was just going to say a t- yeah. transition year would be the year, yeah. It would be, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do know that um, when, I think when I was administrator myself, we did a bit of a pilot project with a few of the secondary schools. Uh, no, there's a few teachers involved, as was all right. Uh, just to, just uh, we ran a kind of a rules course, just for a couple of days, really, with, with kids, you know. Um, and that was just kind of on a pilot basis. I don't think it continued, uh, it, but it would be something that uh, individual schools in tandem with the uh, referees committee could look at as a TY project. And again, Pat, you just never know. Like, but you're looking at an age group that uh, have so many uh, opportunities to do things. Um, you know that if you can expose them to refereeing, you might pick up one or two. But uh, just like Leo said, they are the uh, kind of the pro uh, games and the underage yeah. referees. It's hard enough to hold on to them, really. And I do think, in fairness, that, uh, um, you know, the younger age group, they have a lot of opportunities to do other things. And you are looking for kind of a commitment from people, really, to uh, be available to either Pat Gavin or to Ryan Hayes on various games, or to Deirdre Murphy for adult games in Clare, on a regular enough basis. And maybe not that many people are willing to engage at a younger age for that. So that's, that's one of the issues, really. But again... Nothing to stop an 18-year-old coming in and making an absolute brilliant career out of it. Yeah. And, and Ger, you, you know, does, one of the things I, I, I think is with, with, with referees, right, and look, it is, it is good to see uh, our referees moving up the ladder, but if 
the county, if Clare had a referee that was refereeing the big inter-county games, just, you know, like like uh, the ones <coughs> you see on television or games you'd, that, that you'd, you'd, you'd be going to, like senior games, that, that there would be, like the players have, you know, the players are role models, where a referee would stand out. Say the likes of Niall Malone, right, isn't far away from, from refereeing the, the real big game and he's a top-class ref and, you know, I always reckon he, he's going to definitely referee an, an All-Ireland final. But that... If you had someone like that, a role model, you know, that people, you know, they would command respect that they could look up to, you know, it might attract a few more, maybe. Yeah, Leo, we're, we're absolutely uh, blessed with the quality of the lads that need to come to play at the moment. You're quite right. I don't know, he's neither nor neither Queen, uh, Rory, uh, again, or, or, or Chris McGuire. We have the potential to have a fella on the television on a regular basis referring the games at the highest level. Um, he takes an awful lot of look, actually, in fairness, to uh, get on the radar and stay on the radar. And it would be great to have uh, somebody to do a mixed class three on it and referee it all over and play yeah. it. Uh, you know, we've had top class refs and they haven't been appointed in the past. But anyway, you're right, it would help absolutely the profile. But I think we have we are developing a quite a good profile at the moment. In fact, say, uh, say take Dyle Malone, like he did the under 20 post final last year. <clears throat> Uh, which was a, and he did it on the back of having a fantastic game in the semi-final. Likewise, uh, Chris McGuire did it on the 20 football final and Niall Quinn did it in the minor football final. So even fellas have been getting profile games. Um, for example, this weekend, uh, as we speak, uh, Chris McGuire was jetting off to London to do a game in London in Royston with his forum pair. So there's opportunities there. Uh, again, uh, Niall Malone is doing the... Hogan Cup semi-final this weekend as well. Oh, big uh, game. So, like, mm. you know, they're getting a big game, you know, and, and he did the freshers game uh, above and dang and on winter night last. So, you know, they are getting the game, so we'll be more profile, you know, and I think you're dead right. The more we see that, the more opportunity people will see that, that you know, it, it could entice people in. That's very positive, Jer, to hear, and it's good to hear positive, positivity. However, I suppose there is a element in the room for it with regard to refereeing, and that is... I suppose the abuse on the sideline and the abuse now, of course, in recent times online that they would get, and that wasn't, we we'll say, as severe before. How do you, as an experienced referee or as a referee's uh, official, and others like you, Ger, how do you kind of help to defuse that? A younger lad might have, of thirty might say to you, "Why the hell would I get involved, Ger? You know, and take that yeah. dog's abuse." Yeah. How do you answer that question for them? Yeah, I, I suppose it answered, uh, first of all, in that, you know, you look at the, at, at the young guy you've talked to, who was talking to, uh, um, Pat, and, you know, in life, generally, in the work situation, fellas uh, uh, face stress and threats kind of, uh, you know, during the week. So it's not different to that. We are asking people to uh, link in, and each uh, referee will, uh, and you know, referee coming in this year, They'll be all assigned one of the experienced referees to act as a mentor who will be on the phone and even be at a game with them to help them out. And as a guy to be used to on the sideline, actually, the, the rules now provide for the sideline abusers to be, uh, you know, uh, given a seat up in the stand or given a seat outside in the car if they do, if they do um, give anything uh, go like that. The online piece is different, uh, animal completely better. Yeah. They do. And I suppose um, what we are saying to any of the referees, you know, uh, online is not a good place to be and kind of uh, come offline if you're online a bit. Because if you're on Twitter or Facebook and you do a game and 
uh, it doesn't go well. Your your uh, inbox will be full of rubbish. Absolutely. So kind of ignore that. Just to go back actually to um, the, the 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 sidelines matter, the management teams for the want a better world. We are encouraging referees maybe to have the chat with the manager before the games uh, for this coming year, just to let them know who you are first of all, and secondly to let them know you know what you're, not not what you're going to do because. I'm not a believer in the referees saying, well, I'm going to be stamping down on this today and all that. And if we don't do it, then you're an absolute leader. So just uh, ask them to be respectful and to, uh, you know, acknowledge the fact that the referees out there doing his best and that he might make mistakes, but they're not deliberate mistakes, but they, they're not, there's no bias involved. So it's just about uh, kind of uh, having the communication with the managers and with the players before the game starts. And you'll find that in the county level, that's got to be happening more and more. That you can see the referee at the moment having the chat with the two captains. He also has a chat with both goalkeepers. That's what to expect. But they're also now being asked to uh, have a chat with the manager before the game in the, uh, at the moment. And Gerard, before Leo comes back in, just for a second, do you feel envious of the ref- of the rugby referees and, and how re- how much they seem to get respect in public and uh, the whole culture around that? You know, would you, as a GA referee, feel? My God, you know why could we be, have a little bit more of that in our organisation? Oh yeah, it's it's an it's an ongoing debate, Pat, in fairness. And I mean, you could have you could have a few fellas playing rugby today, and they're totally respectful <laughs> yeah, for rugby, and exactly. they're all playing for kids. Sorry, and it's totally different culture. It's not fellas are different; it's culturally different. Absolutely. Uh, we, yeah, look, and I think that the um, you know there's no doubt about it. But the the uh, emphasis on respect across the board comes from the top in the GA hierarchy, and I think we need to see more um, efforts being made in order to make sure that's done. And I think that you know the the policy of uh, appeals after appeals of spread cards or issues mm-hmm. that yeah. does send out the wrong messages as, as regards. Uh, respect. It's undermining, yeah. yeah. It's undermining the respect. I think, mm. yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and just. But, uh, yeah, 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 we are invested in the rugby guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't but blame for, you. For ourselves, ourselves, ourselves and the association football group, I think the one uh, board, I think, as regards respect aside at the moment. But yeah. it's something that's been continuously worked on in fairness, you know. And, Gerard, uh, speaking of, of cards and that being overturned, and, you know, we've had a, a lot of. Um, negative press towards the referees in 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 the national league in the hurling and 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 the foot and the football since the at the start of the year and there's always at the beginning of the year I suppose Ger, where they're trying to implement the rules and and you know to the letter of the law right and you know <clears throat> players I think misinformation Jerry is 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 a lot of we spoke about this here before and always at the beginning of the year referees are going to be very very strict and they're coming under a lot of negative press. But when you go back and look at the incidents in, in the call light of day, they are implementing the rules to the letter of the law, but it but they're getting vilified for it. Yeah, Leo, I think, I think that's a bit of a... It's a bit of an issue in the, across the GEA that the rules are there and are set out and, are, you know, if they're implemented, no problem um, in, in that respect. But I think even David Goff would have said that the rules are there, but does it... There's a dynamic within each game, either football or hurling, and depending on the standard of the game itself, the dynamic moves from game to game. So, in other words, if a fella gets the ball in hurling today and he tries to go through two fellas, he could be uh, he could be penalised for, char- for charging, Charity, right? Yeah. 
on another day he could be get, he could get a free because he could be deemed that he was held, you know. So they are the nuances of the game that can drive referees and also drive spectators and managers mad. And it's, it's those kind of things that kind of make it difficult. Even though the rules don't change, it's yeah. the interpretation issue. And it's the, 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 it's the dynamic of the game as, the, as games evolve uh, that's uh, a bit, uh, that, that creates the problem. That's a major point I was going to be up as the same as Leo did, Leo. And just in addition to that, Chair, I should say, um, I've been just thinking there as we were talking, as you were talking about it, like referees nowadays are unlucky with the way the coaching has gone of games because in the old days the ball was doing the travelling the player was standing in position pulling and out picking it up and hitting it quickly now to the players are travelling carrying the ball into contact all kinds of rocks and malls and it's a way harder job to see is it a foul by the ball carrier or the holder just as you said there but that's down to how as you the game has evolved and I mean it's very hard to keep changing rules to, to match that so in a sense it's unlucky for refs nowadays who are starting off in the game because you've all this thing, as you said, what did he overcarry the ball or was he pulled back in, in, the, in the middle of, uh, by the elbow or something? So it's, it's tougher than it was, no question about it. Oh, there's no doubt about it, it's tougher than it was because the fellas are more conditioned to pass their coach better, right? The rules, the rules haven't, haven't changed a hell of a lot. The only problem is that in football, they keep trying to change the rules to catch up which I think is a mistake, really. But anyway, in hurling, they've more or less left them alone, and it's up to the referees to try and implement the, the rules. And, like, basically, uh, the simple rule in, in, in tackling is you're tackling the ball, right? And you have uh, side-on-side uh, tackle on the player. But anything other than that, you could say the foul. So it's either up to the interpretation of the referee and the loose arm, the, you know, the loose hand, mm-hmm. and uh, wrapping around the shoulder... And just letting go, that's a, been coached into players as well, obviously. Yes, and no, that's, a, it's, that's, no that's a very common one, yeah, there, for sure. It is, yeah. Either referees will pull for that or they won't. And I, I, personally speaking, when I'm doing underage games and I see it, I, I just let them know straight away it's a foul and they will pull for it. Now, maybe that won't go down well with the managers, but it's just it's just been coached uh, to kind of go to the nth degree as regards what can be pushed uh, up to the legal level, Pat, really, you know. Yeah, and I suppose, yeah. Gerald, look at we, we've said it before, we all played the game and we always pushed the, the referee to the exact limit, you know, and you found that you could push some some further than for the others and you're going to take advantage. But there's what I think um, the new referees coming in, Gerald, may have an advantage that when, you know, with the way the game is now, that they won't be going back on, on old games and what happened before that, you know, yeah. with the game the way it is now, that they're coming into the game that they probably have played themselves. Yeah. Absolutely, Leo. They're, 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 they're tuned into what's out there at the moment. And they may actually have an advantage over some of the lads who you know who are around the hoil and trying to implement the rules of 10 years ago in the current situation. So you're dead right. I do think they would have an advantage. I think, and I think that they'd be, they're clued into actually what's been coached out there as well, more so than maybe some of the lads, you know. And it would it would help, definitely. But again, if you look at, if you look at a, a young uh, person in to do a uh, referee's course and detect the field, they're fit, they're active, they're tuned in, they'd, be not, they'd have no problem. Ger, finally, before we let you go, um, there has been an awful lot of talk about you know the incident last week up in, in, in Galway with uh, the Kyle Hayes incident where he, he swung back at, at Brian Concannon. There has been other incidents that have you know been as well, but it's just the one that's in the media at the moment. Um, look, looking back on it, neither the referee nor the linesman saw the, the incident there, which is which is quite clear from, from, from video and that the four umpires that were there 
weren't weren't consulted. You know, I suppose well, the referee didn't didn't see, but I know he has the earpiece in there. Would he have not got a message, or maybe it wasn't picked up? Now I know it's at the far end of the field, side of the field, away from everyone in 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 Salt Hill, but it is the probably the, the incident that is dominating the headlines at the moment. Leo is absolutely dominating the headlines, and if you look at the dynamic uh, of that situation, the linesman had flagged. He was looking away. Sean Stack was completely unsighted. It was out near the sideline. There wouldn't be an umpire in Ireland with their eyesight who would be able to see it. The linesman at the far side, Joe Mullins, had no hope seen it either. So it was just one of these things caught on camera quite blatantly, but the officials did not see it, and the officials can only work on what they saw on the day. So that's, that's you know, um, without doubt, Kyle got away with that one. Um, if he sorry, if it was seen, he wouldn't. It wouldn't have been a second year out. It would have been a straight right. Straight right. Sorry, on that point, um, again, is my own ignorance now. The GA haven't a system whereby the officialdom can deal with it afterwards based on the video evidence without without the referee having seen it or, 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 or decided on it. They can't do anything about it afterwards if they wanted to, can they? The, 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 the basic uh, premise from the GA was if uh, the referee would be asked to review it, <clears> it happened to me myself when I was in county, you were asked to review these things. If you feel you're dealt appropriately with it, it lies there. However, in the case of Sean Stack, he, he had nothing to work on, uh, so therefore he could be re-examined if they want to, yeah. Yeah, OK. Yeah. there's cameras at all games now. Are you for, you know, we've, we've seen in the other games the, the rugby and you have the VAR and the soccer, and look at, there's, there's ups, there's pros and cons for, 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 for both of them as well. Would you be in favour of uh, technology being used more, Ger? I would, Leo. Uh, very simply, I would, because you know, all of Ireland saw that incident just spoke about last week. Everyone saw it except the officials officiating at the game, so they do need assistance. But there, uh, there does need to be a system put in place where there are so many cameras at games. There has to be very strict protocols put in place as regards what can be reviewed, because we don't want games held up for mm-hmm. five or six minutes mm-hmm. looking at stuff like that yes. or CMOs, you know. It has to be a top second quick look, let's have a look at that. You know, and and away you go. So yeah, I would Leo. Uh, how he's done, how he's implemented, he's going to be he's going to be important. But definitely, it'll come in at some stage. I think it has to. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jared, going back to the uh, as we did at the opening, the call is out there for for new referees, and you know it's this course is starting next week. And how can people get more information, or how can uh, potential referees get more information? Oh, yeah. on, uh, yeah, look, very simply, Leo, um, the, the program today, basically, uh, we are looking at Monday night, 8 o'clock in the Temple Gate, as it goes, the first night. All I really do is call it come in that evening if they want to. They can also just phone myself if they want to phone myself um, at 086 That's 86 Six seven eight nine eight nine two, or just go to the club secretary because the club secretaries have got a lot of information uh, from Deirdre Murphy's office uh, in the last couple of weeks. So uh, there's lots of ways. But uh, typical gate eight o'clock, uh, one evening is 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 the time we start. So if anyone is there, more than welcome. And just come in and sit down, relax, and have a look at the rules and uh, have a cup of tea, and you'll never know. And finally, Jar Shawnee is the uh, he's in the job uh, a short period, doing a tremendous job in his in his work as administrator for the referees. Uh, 
Yeah, Shawnee, uh, he, he's he's doing closing work in fairness to him, uh, Leo, because he has the respect of the of, uh, he has the respect of the county basically behind him, and he's he has no agenda other than trying to get enough referees and get fellas into games and get games played. So doing a tremendous job in my view, and uh, he'll do it. Uh, he won't hang around too long. He'll give his three or four years, and then he'll move on to something else. Ger Hoy, as always, very good to talk to you here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. We hope that the recruitment for potential referees is a successful one because, as we said at the outset, without referees, we don't we don't have a game. Ger Hoy, good Thanks, Leo. Thanks, Thanks, Ger. Great to have you on. Thank you. You're listening to Sportsline on Scarif Bay Community Radio, 88.3 and 92.7 in East Clare around the world on scarifbayradio.com and on the TuneIn radio app Sportsline is sponsored by Derek Credit Union And once again thanks to Jerry for taking the time to talk to us here and um, we move from the rules to the actual action and now we're going to be joined by well-known uh, jo- local journalist a man who needs no introduction to anyone not only in East Clare but all over the county and the country it's Owen Brennan Owen, you're welcome once again to Scarf Bay Community Radio I'm delighted to be on with the, the pin-up boys from the from the, <laughs> the calendar boys. Is that what we call you? I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it to come <laughs> over you. You've been waiting for a while now to get that one out. We're going to get all our, uh, our journalistic friends on analysis to do one topless next year. Or <laughs> yourself and Darman, oh, if you were. By the, way, by the way, just to let you know, sales were at an all-time low. So that, 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 that says it all. On to get on to the, the, the real stuff and... Um, I suppose we're going to start with the, the Clare footballers. Uh, last weekend, a, a, a result that has kind of gone unnoticed with a lot. Um, a one-point defeat to Dublin up in, in, in Crow Park. A, a Clare team, you know, who had suffered a one-point defeat the weekend before to Kildare. But in fairness to them, OK, you know, they don't need moral victories. But they, have, they must be the unluckiest team in the league at the moment, Owen. Yeah, look, I suppose you can look at it two ways. Before a ball was kicked in the National League, you probably would have looked at the Dublin game and said, OK, great, have an outing in Cove Park, but uh, we'll probably write that one off anyway for a start as, in terms of results. So if you weren't in Cove Park, I suppose, last Saturday or not listening on the radio or, or watching it somewhere, you would have probably said to yourself, uh, at one point, defeat isn't too bad, but when you're six points up going into the last quarter and... Um, and looking like you're going to get the victory, uh, it's very frustrating, I suppose, to, to lose it. And then to, to, uh, to compound on top of that, the fact that it was a similar situation against Kildare, six points up going into the last quarter, and then still to lose. But to get nothing out of those two games, obviously, heartbreaking number one for, for Cullen Collins' squad. Um, but, you know, it, it leaves them in a bit, of a, a bit of a hole at the moment. So for all the good performances, and for 55 minutes, they were superb in Crow Park as they were in for large periods of the Kildare game as well. But they didn't get one point out of those two games. And with loud beaten Mead in the division as well, it kind of opened yeah. things up a small bit. So a little bit more pressure than it would be normally. Uh, Clare have two home games left. Uh, they have Cork and Limerick, familiar foes. So they'll need to get uh, definitely a result out of one of them, but it's, it's two to, to make it really safe. But apart from the loss of points, uh, Owen, and, and the placing in the league and, and the dangers of, of not getting enough points to stay up, hopefully they will, the psychological damage could be very severe even going into the championship of, you know, a clear team playing well for 60 minutes, as you say, 
And will the fear be there if they're leading or maybe a couple of points up? It's going to happen again. You know, that's very hard to, to wipe out. Yeah, and and particularly, you know, when when the Kildare game, the way it finished, and, and I'd never seen Cullen Connell too angry, you know. Uh, normally, he's so laid back, he'd nearly be horizontal. So, I mean, for, for him to be angry, uh, it takes a lot. So, but they could have they could have repaired all that damage uh, with yeah. the Dublin if they'd managed to get a one-point win or even a draw out of Coe Park. Uh, all that memories of the Kildare thing would have been wiped away. But to actually let it happen uh, twice, um, it's just cruel, uh, and and it will it will affect them confidence wise. There will be those jitters coming down the final straight, no matter if they're twenty points up. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look, it's it's something that they're going to have to get out of the system now. You know, they don't really have time to wallow in any kind of self pity or anything like that. Because while the the league in Harlan isn't exactly um, a Rolls Royce of the league, the Division Two in the football is a very prestigious. Uh, it's just as, as prestigious as the championship, really. So. It's Clare's bread and butter and they want to stay there. So they're going to have to put out all the stops really to get something out of. Definitely, hopefully, the car came tomorrow. Yeah, indeed. You know, I suppose Limerick are probably in the in that relegation nearly nearly guaranteed now at this stage and and their scoring difference is going to be way off the way off the charts anyway. But um looking at Cork, you know, Cork should have beaten Dublin as well and, 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 and didn't. You know what I mean? They they put a good score down on Limerick last week. It's a team coming into the game full of confidence. Well, again, a team that's a small bit fragile. Yeah, but I suppose they, they would be familiar enough, you know, with play by playing each other. And I know Cork have had the upper hand in a lot of it, but Clare wouldn't necessarily be afraid of fear him. Cork um, as much as there is a bit of the unknown. I mean, they have to go to Derry after that, and I mean, Tough Derry is as we've seen in Crow Park last year are very difficult with the way they play and. The way they're able, to, the structure that they have, but I think Clare will feel they have a chance against Cork. You add in the fact that it's in in, in Cusick Park and also the Limerick game in Cusick Park, and I think no matter what happened before, I think there will be confidence going into it that they can dig out a result. I think we're playing some of the best football. It's ironic, really, because we're playing some of the best football that we've we've uh, seen in Division Two since they came up in after winning the Division Three in 2016, but just not getting the results to match it and. Oh, at the end of the day, look, the National League is a results business. But um, I think if they can just marry the, the performance and the results just for on, on Sunday, it, it would ease the pressure a, a tremendous amount before they go up to Derry. And uh, Owen, before, finally, before we leave the, the, the football, the entertainment entertainment value in the National Football League is um, as good as it ever has been. It, it's, a tremendous, it's, a, it's a tremendous competition at the moment. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and for all the, the little rule changes and the little tweaks that they've tried to, to in, the, in the last couple of years, um, and, you know, there's no really, uh, like a lot of teams put a lot of players behind the ball, but it's not like the, the real blanket defences we used to see a couple of years ago that made the games really, really uh, um, tedious to watch. Um, so there's a lot more entertainment, there's teams breaking and a lot of counter-attacking. Um, and 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 Clare putting up uh, good scores at the moment. You know, um, they're not scoring too many goals. They, they ironically got one against uh, Dublin, which is their first goal of the, the National League. But definitely, it's been an entertaining. And Division Two is so cutthroat. Anybody can beat anybody in a particular weekend, and that's what makes it so fascinating. Um, we'd all like to be up in Division One. And to be honest, if Clare, uh, uh, you know, had hadn't leaked the goals against Meath and, and got their just desserts against Kildare and Dublin, we'd be looking at. <coughs> Uh, mm-hmm. a Division 2 yes. final uh, at the moment so that's just how wafer thin the margins are in Division 2 
we're, we're staring really at a, at a kind of a relegation battle, but we easily could be top of the table as well. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing between any of the teams. Uh, Owen, before we turn to the hurling, the Camogies, uh, good win against Kilkenny the first day. Unfortunately, the wheels came off a bit against in Cork down in Park Ewing, which was always going to be a big ask. Um, playing Galva later on today in Kilbacanty. Already, it is kind of a, a kind of a, has the feel of a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, you know, there was obviously great delight after beating Kilkenny. Um, I know Kilkenny were just after holiday or whatever, and and you know they haven't they didn't beat Galway the following week either. But it, it was a tremendous result for a, a, a kind of a new look player and, a, and a, a youngish group of 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 players that needed a result. Really, you know, if we saw last year in the in the National League, we we put it up to Cork and we put it up to Kilkenny, but didn't get a result out of either. So. To actually get the points on the board, I thought, would kind of steal them for the Cork thing. I think the Cork game was disappointing because I don't think they rose the gallop at any stage, really. Um, they were always chasing the game. Cork were a little step ahead. And, and the one thing that was kind of worrying from a Clare perspective, well, we saw last year a lot of the great performances that they had. And you're kind of thinking, we can actually make a bit of a breakthrough here and maybe uh, get into those quarterfinals and hopefully up to that top three at some stage. It's still that little bit of physicality that's that's mm. keeping us back a small bit. Like there's a, at the top level, the Galway, the Kikini at their most ferocious, and especially Cork, are big physical players that are able to break the tackle. We have a lot of speed, we have a lot of uh, skill, but we're still missing that physical element of of players being able to to use their body, and especially with the rules in the last couple of years, uh, opting for that more physical element. That's the one thing that's probably holding us back a small bit. And, that's something we saw against Cork. So it'll be interesting to see this afternoon. You know, Galway put out a strong team against uh, Kilkenny, maybe after leaking four goals against Tipperary. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, number one, what lineup Galway put out, but number two, what kind of physicality um, they're going to put out against Clare as well. Because if it's happened two weeks in a row, you know, it's a, it's a bit of an issue there that, that we're going to have to solve somewhere along the line. And that's not something you can, you can change overnight. Uh, but um, it, it has been the barrier that we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, no, and in relation to that, then, you know, you said it's not easy to solve it, and, and obviously if it was to be solved, do you think the way to solve it is to maybe try and bring in stronger, more physically big players, or is it a try and play a game that suits our, our speed and our lightness and our, our, our uh, fun of the open game? You know, that will take time yeah. either way, won't it? Because the, if big players have to be right to the squad, they have to, they have to build up the, the, the muscle and the. And the, and the strength of conditioning. If you're going to play a fast lightning opening game, you know it takes a while to get that moving properly as well. So, you know, it looks like it's going to be a, a mid to long term project, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, uh, uh, look, we saw from the the Tipperary and, and the Cork Munster final game. Uh, you know, we can do it. Like we just, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, the the performances there on a, on a given day, Clare can beat anyone. It's just over a consistent period and over a championship. Have they got the squad? Have they got the strength? Have they got the physical strength to to hold out? It's, you know, I suppose there's more questions than answers really to that mm-hmm. at the moment. So I don't know if you can find you know the more physical players. And I certainly think you can keep an eye out for younger players coming through that could add that little bit of physicality that if you build them up over a couple of years. But I think they've they've fairly much trawled the county in terms of the the players yeah. that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you have to go with what you have, and you got to a, suit a game plan to suit that. And one of the big things is you got to run the ball, but you can't run into tackles because we're not going to, like for the players we have, and we have a lot of very speedy, light, but skillful players, 
um, you, you just can't get into a into a ground battle with the likes of Cork or a Galway or Kilkenny and having rooks and stuff like that. We've got to be swift of foot and swift of mind, really, to get away from that. So it's about, yeah, you know, I, I think they're, they're they're trying that. They're, you know, short hand passing, they're ready to mix it, put in the odd high ball, but um, it's going to need a little bit more evolving, I think, before the championship uh, comes around. And I think the Munster Championship still has to be Clare's main target, mm. I feel, this year. Yeah, and of course, Dave Limerick in, in a semi-final for that, so hopefully, you know, there are plenty of games uh, to to go be, before that. But we wish him well later on in Kilbacon t- today. On turning to the hurling, and last weekend, Clare had a, a facile victory over Wexford. Brian Loham would have been looking for a reaction after the Limerick game. He got that in spades. He obviously put out a much stronger team. But Wexford didn't pay the league any great respect with the 15 that they, with the team that they put out. And it calls maybe it calls into question the value of the National League on. Yeah, I think there has to be there's something has to be done, um, if you know what I mean, because you know, and it's interesting to see how the football has evolved to to having that kind of two tier and you have to be in the top two divisions to in order to play in the All Ireland Championship. I think that's something that realistically Hurling are gonna to have to do, even though there's a lot less teams in the championship, they're gonna to have to do something that's going to either Make it more attractive to do uh, or to win the league, or at least they're going to have to bring it maybe forward a, a bit of time. Because I think the biggest stumbling block is it's too close to the championship. championship. Nobody wants to go to a league final, which is bizarre. If you know what I mean, we're you're only playing for two two titles. Uh, okay, there's a provincial title as well, but you know, realistically, how many teams are going <clears> to win <throat> either a provincial or uh, an All Ireland uh, title? So. The other teams, you know, why wouldn't you be gunning for a national league? But just nobody wants to go for it because they're only a couple of weeks short of the the championship. So what? they're either going to have to perhaps uh, scrap the um, scrap the the the, um, the monster league at the start of the year and kind of go a little bit earlier in the national league and give the bones of a month before the championship. That might make it a little bit more attractive. Um, but at the moment, it's, it's faster because the problem is really. Um, um, that you you have teams that are at different stages of their uh, thing. They want to test themselves in certain games, but there's no guarantee that their opposition will be will be treating that with the same respect. We saw that with the Clare and Wexford last weekend. That Clare were going down there with a point to prove, and you know, giving their some of their main players a, a first run out. Whereas Wexford, you know, were, were just were just like lambs to the slaughter inside net because they weren't taking it seriously whatsoever. So. Like Clare will probably be looking at Galway now as a big test for them next weekend, uh, and hopefully Galway will treat that. I think they will because you know they had a bad result against Limerick. I think they were very disappointed with their performance. So I think that should be probably the game of the of the National League. Um, but aside from that, you know I don't think they're going to take it too seriously against Cork in the last game. And you know it it's just but, it's a little bit frustrating if you're a supporter. Yeah. You want to go out and support your county every day. Uh, that they go out but realistically if you're going to be picking and choosing what, what your good teams are and experimentation and, and just treating it with a little bit of disrespect I, I, I don't know where we're going to go with this but, but, but Owen you know managers will do what, and coaches will do what they have to do you know to have their teams ready for the championship it, it may be to blood new players it may be to go out hard in the league but the GA at administration level, those who those who make decisions are very, very, very culpable here because there's, there's hardly any other big sporting organisation either in Ireland or internationally whereby 
your second massive national competition is a competition that most teams, as you say, don't want to be in the final, don't want to win. They don't even want to compete hard in it. And at some stage, the people in charge who are the decision makers have to take responsibility and say, we've got to make this league a competition whereby crowds will go out and see real competition to win matches and and, and the managers are trying their very, very best to win each game because there's a reason to win it. So how do you think, you, you hinted at it there maybe, do you think maybe putting the Fitzgibbon Cups and the, and the, and, and, and the third levels trying to get them a different time of the year would help? Or should there be a reward in the championship for teams who do well in the league? How do you think they might be able to, to look at that and solve it? Because it's, it's, a, it's a laugh as it is. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I, I do think you're going to have to bring it forward. I think the main stumbling block is the fact that it's too close to the championship. And Look, the writing was on the wall, to be honest. I don't know why they didn't tweak it further after last year. I think everybody knew after Waterford mm. going out all guns blazing, winning the league, and then, you know, everyone coming out saying they're going to win the All-Ireland. I just couldn't see it at the time because I was thinking to myself, you know, they've, they've done very poorly in the round robin mm. in Munster uh, for all the years that we've been doing it now. Um, so that was the biggest warning sign to everyone else. Uh, and the fact that Cork got to the final impressively as well and, you know, started off kind of uh, rather gingerly in the in the, in the the championship, lost their opening two games, including the one to, to Clare. And I know they got through as the third place team, but, you know, they weren't good. It just, it just, it just worked out that Tipperary and Waterford were worse than them in, in the province. So I think after that, nobody was going to take the, the, this year's league too seriously. And the GA had to come in with some alternative plan of how they're going to fix that. And whether you do tie that to the championship, it's difficult to know, though, because the provincial championship is, is linked uh, completely to the All-Ireland series. It's difficult to know what reward you would actually give in order to entice people to... Um, to to really compete hard for the National League. So I think you just have to bring it forward. I think you have to give enough of a gap maybe four to five weeks before the championship so that you can go hard in the National League and then ease off and then uh, have a go uh, and, and prepare yourselves for the championship again. I think that's the only way forward because if you remember uh, before, there used to be nearly eight or nine weeks. Yes, seven or eight weeks, yeah. And, yeah. At the start of the championship. And, and at that stage, the championship was you play in a Munster quarter-final and you might have two or three weeks to, to celebrate that win or, or drown your sorrows in the loss or whatever. So uh, now that it's, it's every week and, and the round-robin series, while it is spectacular, don't get me wrong, the Munster Championship is brilliant every year, um, but it is fairly taxing, as we saw from Clare, you know, the, the, the attritional uh, level that it did by the time they got to the All-Ireland Series. They just hadn't a, pu- a puff of air left in them. But I, I just do think that they're going to have to start out the league, and, and I think bringing it forward is the only way possible, really, because otherwise you'll always get teams that just won't treat it with any, any respect whatsoever. Yeah, and I suppose on also, and I find, even though there's great crowds going to the games, the sponsors, audience, are not going to be happy with the value they're getting from the league, even though I see they've gone in now and they've, they're one of the main sponsors for the football championship. But surely they'll be asking questions of, of, of the authorities as well. You know, they'll want to be getting value for their for their product as well. Absolutely, and, and and as we go on now, it'll be interesting to see once the knockout stages go, because while well, the semi-final is okay, I think you're four weeks out from the championship, but if you don't want to get to a final, so will it be a total slow bicycle race by the time you get to a semi-final? I mean, how, how much can you throw a game by the time you get to a semi-final? It, it just seems bizarre, so 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, and, and that will tell a lot about the, the National League and at that stage. But the, public could vote I'll, I'll, the public could vote at a fee to own because if you're a league final and you know that both teams are in their deal against their will and aren't going to be hammered and tongs with a championship game in two weeks, could you end up in a league final with five or 6,000 people at it instead of the twenty-five or 30,000 you'd expect one time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, um, look you know, it's, 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 you know it's, it is a bit of a disaster really because um, you know the National League should be up there as one of the prestigious competitions. As we said earlier, you know it's only there's only the three cups a team can win yeah. during the during yeah. the year. So uh, and and there should be great games because you've all the top teams in there, and it's not as if we're playing the likes of Wexford and you know we we played Kilkenny in Dublin and those teams uh, and Galway as we're going to play teams that we wouldn't be playing regularly <laughs> in Munster. If anything, we're better off playing the, the Leinster teams in the International League. But it, it exposed just kind of different styles and uh, and and uh, and different structures and stuff like that. So it's just a pity that it's that it's uh, it's kind of faltered the way it has in the last couple of years. And finally, on uh, Brian Lohan, uh, how do you think he how how do you see the progress of Clare uh, this year since the you know he's he's given guys their chance and in fairness some lads have put up their hands with with flying colours. Yeah, I think that I like. Uh, I think the competition for place is going to be massive by the time it comes to championship. If everyone can stay fit, that is obviously. Um, I think, I think last year, you know, I've kind of said it before, really, but last year you could have nearly predicted the team going out in the field, bar maybe one player. You might, you might have one change or that kind of way. Uh, they were only using kind of a pool of really 17, 18 players, yeah. um, and it was very predictable. Whereas this year, you know, with your Aidan McCarthy's back, look, Mark Rogers wasn't available for. A lot of the Munster uh, Championship there last year, you know. Shane Amore. Um, McCarthy back, you've Shane Amore back in. The likes of Adam Hogan is making a very, very strong case to, to be put into the into the team as well. And there's a load of guys putting their hand up. Um, uh, you know, guys that maybe were on the panel just for a year or two. I don't know if I'd expect anyone that's just on the panel this year to be kind of making that, that immediate bolt out of it. But someone that's been, let's say, through the underage system, and maybe on the panel for a year or two, I'd expect them to make some bit of a burst as well. You know, if you can get Shane Meehan back fit, and uh, like, how would you pick the forward line? Uh, really, there's going to be have to be some big names that are going to lose out, and, and that will make the, the competition for places cutthroat. So it augurs well for Clare if they can obviously keep everyone fit. I think we saw that from the players that came back in on Sunday. Uh, the likes of Tony Kelly was was, was phenomenal. You know, Ryan Taylor. You'd for, you'd, I wouldn't say you'd forget, but you know we we kind of uh, didn't realize how much you'd miss them until until they were gone, until they were came back and, and showed what they can do. So there's a lot there's a lot to like about Clare. I think physically, as we talked about the physicality of the Camogie side, but I think physically the hurlers have caught up massively in only a short space of time, maybe three years. They've caught up with with a Limerick team that's been probably doing it for six or seven years. So. Um, hopefully we can sustain that because we're going to need a bigger squad if we are to go as, uh, a long way in this year's championship yeah, there's no doubt about that and credit to Brian Lohan and all, all the team for, for what they've done in the short period uh, of time that he has been in charge and you know we, we really look forward to the, the championship we can't say look forward to the rest of the league but we look forward to the championship <laughs> Owen as always it is good to talk to you here on Scarif Bay Queen's Radio you're very forthright with your views and well respected as always Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Owen. And that concludes our sports and saw here today on Scarlet Bay Queen's Radio in association with their credit union.
My thanks, as always, to co-presenter Pat McNamara and a special thanks to our guests, Ger Hoey and Owen Brennan, for their input to the programme. And we thank you very, very much uh, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks also to Jim Collins, who has recovered from his vacation to, to, to mend the weed for us here uh, today here on Scarif Bay Community on Sportsline. And we hope you will join us later on from Kilbeck and Club up there in Galway for the National League Camogie game between Clare and Galway. And until we meet again, it's Ben Day, August Lawn.